Three, two, one, let's jam. Hello and welcome to this episode of Superhero Ethics. That might have been a clue that today we were talking to you about... Cowboy Bebop! <laughs> Cowboy Bebop. It is midnight and I've been working on three different projects while cooking quite a lot for the last couple days. And it's only Monday and it's going to be a long week. But yes, we are talking about Cowboy Bebop and I'm super excited. I don't have any noodles to listen to. I don't have any... <laughs> I don't have any noodles to eat. I don't have any jazz to listen to. So instead, myself and Paul Hoppy are going to be talking to you about some of the ethical questions raised by this awesome show. Um, we have only seen episodes one through five. Uh, I have seen all of Cowboy Bebop, and Paul has seen uh, quite a lot of it. <clears throat> so we're gonna, we're definitely not going to spoil anything from the second five episodes of the live action. I'm going to try not to bring in too much from those last five episodes. Normally, I'd say the fact that, like... You know, it's a different show, so it's probably not... The fact that we're getting shot-for-shot remakes of some of these episodes tells me it might be similar, but either way, we're not going to get into it. Anyway, this has been one hell of a cold open. We're going on way too long. I'm a little jazzed up. No pun intended. Uh, How about some ads? And then we'll get right back to you with a discussion of post-Earth civilizations and who's a hero and... I don't know. Which we do have control over, but the ad, we don't. There you go. Oh, come on. I have no control over this. <laughs> I meant we, the royal we. Oh, there you go. There you go. See, because Paul's actually a host. Mm. Hello, welcome back. I'm Matthew, your host. Um, as I said, I'm joined by Paul Hoppy. Uh, Paul, how are we doing tonight? Doing good. I just had my noodles, my uh, soon kimchi noodle soup. Ramen box. Yeah, yeah I, I've decided, Paul, that um, recording with you for the next couple of months is basically going to be catching lightning in a bottle, which is <laughs> funny because we just recorded on The Witcher and we're going to be recording more of that soon yeah. um, where you have to literally catch wine in a bottle. My point is, I know you're super busy, but every now and then, if you message me and tell me about a TV show or a movie that you really like, I'm going to be like, cool, if I watch it the next 24 hours, can you record on it? <laughs> That's exactly good. what happened. Uh, I was with friends all weekend. I wanted to see Cowboy Bebop. I did get to see the first couple episodes of Wheel of Time, which I'll definitely be oh. recording on oh, as well. Out. Yeah, that's that's another really good one. Um, but then he he messaged me and was like, I'm enjoying it. And I was like, ooh, this could be fun to talk about. Hey, friends, want to watch this together? <laughs> and they were down. Um, and so, yeah, I'm really excited about this. Uh, and let's kind of just start with what was your kind of knowledge about the show going into it? I know you'd seen the cartoons. So, uh, sorry, I just got a whole bunch of angry emails. Seeing the anime yeah. going in. Uh, what was kind of your expectations? What was your feelings about it? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I had recently, I mean, I, I watched back in the, I don't know, early aughts or something, most or all of the original series. I'm not sure. Um, I mean, we actually have it on DVD and I went to see the movie in a theater when it was out, I believe. Um, I don't even know. Was it out out or was it, did I just see it like at like Comic Con or something? I don't know. Um, anyway, uh, I'm familiar with the series. I rewatched the beginning and sort of at the ending of the first episode, I was like, oh, that's right. Nothing ever goes well for these people <laughs> <laughs> or the people around them. And uh, it's interesting because it's like, I don't know. It's a show that does a lot of things that when show do shows do them, I often don't like the shows. Yeah, it's funny. Just the way you said that, I even thought of that, but like, We've had a number of discussions recently about how you don't like Grim Dark. You don't like yeah. our heroes are always trying things, but they don't work out. I, I don't think this is that. I think it's very different. But I'm curious for you how you articulate like 
why this is different for you. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to put my finger on, but I'd say it's not grimdark. It's neo-noir, you know? Yeah. It's like post-Earth futuristic disco noir, basically. Yeah, you know, really It's just got such a, a very particular aesthetic, and it leans yeah. into that so heavily. And I feel like that really matches with um, sort of the feelings of the characters, that there there is this kind of like sort of existential sort of like what are we doing here but at the same time everything really has a lot of personality and a lot of the times the sort of quote-unquote like grim dark whatever that I really object to most and just don't enjoy and stop watching is when I feel like there's just either there's not a lot of personality or the personality that there is is like not personality I want to spend time with but one thing that I think this show does that um you know you shouldn't get too attached to characters, right? Mm-hmm. Although at the same time, you see what the characters, the lead characters can do and survive. And it gives you a sense like, okay, these people are probably going to be okay for a while. Um, they might keep eating peppers and have a hard time getting noodles. But like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the people around them really are more often the victims. And, and they'll often be relatable. But um, I feel like they're not really... A lot of shows, I think, are very manipulative in terms of, like, let me try to get you to like this character and set you up to want something and then take it away. And, like, I don't feel like that's exactly what's going on here most of the time. Um, And then just, I don't know, I I like the style. I like the martial arts. I like the music. In a lot of ways, this this feels a lot more like black comedy isn't quite accurate, but... Mm -hmm. But it's not too far off. Yeah, like, grim dark to me. And granted, I love it a lot more, but much Mm -hmm. more often that's about... This is traumatic. This is tragic. And you are with the people as they're experiencing it. And they're kind of in hell. Right. This show and some other things, I think neo-noir is perfect. They're kind of like, you know, it's like there's that meme going around right now that's about like, you know, uh, goth is like, uh, no, punk is everything is broken and I'm going to fight it. Mm-hmm. goth is everything is is broken but there's some beautifulness in the broken mm-hmm. Th- there's a beauty in the brokenness right. ska is everything is broken but i've got a trumpet <laughs> uh, that's kind of like this it's like it, it's like everything's broken for them and they're scraping by and things are going to keep going wrong but they're having fun mm-hmm. like they're not and, and the thing is, i was it's not that they're not traumatized they are all dealing with deep trauma and that comes out but we're not wallowing in it in quite the same yeah, way and yeah, i feel yeah. Like, we all know people, and some of us are people, I certainly have been at various points in my life, where it's like, yeah, like, everything's bad, but my my self-care is black humor, you know? Right. And I feel like that's that's both what the characters are doing, but it's also kind of what the show is doing. Because, like, this world is dark and broken and scary and a hell of a lot of fun. Mm, like, yeah. it just, it, it feels just like a fun world to be in. Yeah, and the world in the show, too. Yeah. No, that, that's oh, what yeah. I mean. No, yeah. I know, I know. I was joking. Because yeah. this oh, yeah. world is, is how <laughs> oh, yeah. dark and broken. Yeah, and... So <laughs> but there's a lot of fun things. There's um, a lot of trumpets out there. There's a lot of trumpets. Yeah, I think I think you put it really well in that we're we're not meant to sit and suffer with the characters just suffering without them kind of... It, it feels like they're in on it. Like they understand their lot in some ways. Right. But that they have a sense of humor about it. Yeah. You know, it, and that's a little bit kind of to me like what swashbuckling is like the, it's yeah. very swashbuckly in the sort of like oh everything's all messed up you know and i've got these kind of these impossible odds against me and a lot of things might not go well but like you know i'm gonna i'm gonna have some fun along the way yeah 
you know. Um, and I think it also helps that, like, a lot of their, you know, their biggest traumas are in their past. And yeah. so we explore that a little through flashbacks, but we're not sitting there going through their worst moments. You know, we're right. sitting there with them as, like, they try to make a big score and then, you know, yeah, I mean, whoever it is inevitably gets shot. Like, or in episode five, screen. Jet definitely went through some stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, a lot of that was flashback, clearly, yeah. and a lot of it was more current. And, and, like, even there, like, half the episode was about this, like, horrific realization of that he just really cannot trust anybody. Right. And half of him was about this, like, impossible quest to get his daughter a doll, you know? And, like, yeah, yeah. both of those were kind of portrayed as equally emotionally symbolic. And yeah. Important. Well, the, the doll one was a different episode, right? The do- my, yeah. No, you're right. I'm mixing yeah. up those two. Okay. But, there, but there was a counterpoint, not so much with him. I mean, with him, this like they were talking about music and that brought, I think, a lot of personality to the flashback right. part and the present day him with, you know, his partner or his former partner. Um, but meanwhile, um, you know, the other two characters on the ship are having this really, you know, funny. Um, they're having this like bonding moment. Yeah. You know, and. Mm. I, I think that really played a nice... Like, if they had been off doing some side quest and mm-hmm. having mm-hmm. it go horribly, I think that would have balanced poorly. But here, yeah. they were just sitting on the ship trying to find a bounty, and, like, it wasn't um, mm-hmm. going well, right? But, like, they were bonding over, like, yeah. foot cockroach <clears throat> bomb, atomic bomb, and, like, shower bath showers, which I had yeah. one today. They're great. I highly recommend it. <laughs> I like, I like. Uh, Spike and Faye. Well, and let me actually get into Faye because I think this has been one of the biggest sources of controversy about the show. And it's the same thing we hear a lot of the time where a show or a property of whatever kind, there's a character who is drawn in a way that is very, very sexualized. And, you know, um, you can love or hate Faye's outfit in uh, the original, but like, I think a lot of folks were like, this is not going to. I don't think that outfit can stay on a human being in live action, let alone like would look right. But like, you know, a lot of people are super upset about it. I am so happy with what they've done with Faye's character. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, uh, and there's a specific thing I want to mention there, but we can get into the general as well. Um, the, the specific thing I was going to mention is in that scene, they start to go down a trope road, which is the two of them are like exposing more of their bodies to each other as they're showing off their scars. Right, right. And, like, that has, I've seen that as a seduction so many times. Mm-hmm. And, like, in the anime, like, there's flirtation all around. But there's never, like, like Faye... I don't know what happens in the movie. But, like, I don't, I don't think there's anything of, like, Spike and Faye getting together. And I had a moment where I was like, are they going to do that? Are they going to get together? And the fact that they didn't just made me so happy. And it, it, it to me, it just it went again with what they're doing with Faye's character. Where, like, she's a very sexual being, and, like, she looks fantastic. Like, they make her outfit still very sexy, mm-hmm. but it's not, like, hello, look at my body parts. That's all I am here. And there's just there's just so much... I, I just thought they found such a perfect way of... Because, sh- again, there's nothing wrong with showing off your body sure. if that's what you're into. Sure. But, like, I just, I just loved everything about the way her character is presented and felt like they found a perfect balance of letting her be a really well-developed character who is just also a sexy person and also quite enjoys the fact that, like, men do stupid things around her because she looks great. Right. But without it being, like, the the gravity-defying, this outfit shouldn't stay on of the yeah. comic or the anime. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, I, I, that, that makes sense. I, I will note 
that Spike's outfit is also completely ridis- ridiculous from like a physics yeah. and moving while doing martial arts. You you don't wear a button, you know, buttoned up <laughs> jacket with a popped collar like that while you're doing, you know, the acrobatic martial arts that he's doing all the time. You also know? true. So just just putting that out there Look, that like sweat wicking technology at that time is yeah, just yeah. through the roof, you know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I hadn't seen anything like I don't generally read or listen to or watch media about uh-huh. media very much at all, especially not until after I've seen a thing. And then if I really right. like a thing, I might watch it. And if yeah. I really don't like a thing, I'll be like, who's saying angry things about this? Let me, <laughs> you know, <laughs> sort of cathartically kind of yeah. you know, release vindication. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, and, and sometimes like I seek out perspectives like what do people think about such and such, you know? Right. Um, and when you were talking about major controversy around her, I thought... You know, it was going to be that, like, most of the, I mean, the characters in the anime are mostly, like, they look like Japanese, mostly. Right. I mean, they're animated, so there is kind of an ambiguity all the time. Right. And, and so, like, whether there was any kind of, like, concern about, like, whitewashing the character or whatever, mm-hmm. which which I don't think would be exactly an accurate, um, you know, uh, description. But, like, I thought that might be where, where you were going, and maybe people mm, were yeah. talking about that stuff. I do think they made... You know, interesting choices in terms of uh, just just the casting in general. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, Spike be uh, Jet being like Jet being black. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think in the in the anime he, he's a little more dark darker skinned. But yeah, it's just a it's a I love everything about the world design. I love you know, yeah. and I think like the diversity of it, but also just like everything. It just it looks amazing. Like I want to just spend time in this right, world. Right. It's like Blade Runner, where like. Everything in Blade Runner is horrible, but it's like, I'd like to sit in that little noodle shop and, you yeah. know, on a rainy day. Like, it looks like a, a fun place to visit, at least. I mean, like, I, I always felt like in Blade Runner, like, everyone is having fun except Decker. You know? Right, right. And, like, this story. And and that, I guess, the, the first big ethical thing that I, mm. I, I, I want to get into with this movie, because I think it's such a, this TV show. We talk a lot about what is a hero and what is a hero or what is an anti-hero or what is a protagonist. I think one of the reasons why this show works so well is that it is not a show about heroes or like it it is a show about people doing things in the world and you root for them. But like in many ways, it it reminds me, it's kind of you and I had a uh, conversation like our third episode long, long ago about the movie Desperado. Yeah. Where like the character is doing a lot of kind of like sort of justified, but like slaughtering lots of poor people who went to work for a criminal because there's nothing else they can do. Right. Right. Um, but like the movie sets a tone of like, that's we're not here to play with the ethical issues. We're here to watch someone like a chandelier fall on their head. Cause it's hilarious. Uh, not a chandelier, a, a, a ceiling fan. Sure. Yeah. And I feel like part of why I'm able to enjoy this world so much, like our hero is often in situations where he has fought someone, they are disarmed, they are defeated, they are not a threat, and he just shoots them in the head. Right. And, like, but the movie, the show isn't here to have, like, it's not saying, look, he's a hero, but it's justified for him to do it. But it's also not saying, oh, he's such a tortured soul, he's doing this thing. It's just, this is a person in a tough world who does this. He's not claiming to be a hero. He's also not the worst person. So, so what? What for you is that like? Where, where do you see see him and 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 Jet and just all these characters in terms of this like heroes, anti heroes, whatever? Yeah, I f- I feel like they're working class bounty hunters 
who are mm-hmm. basically just trying to get by day to day. I mean, they're literally talking about trying to get food money, right? Um, and maybe I'll uh, go down that tunnel a little bit in terms of like getting food and um, owning a spaceship, like owning a spaceship, but it's hard mm-hmm. to get food. Like yeah. maybe if everything's terraformed and grown that way, like maybe that actually makes more sense than we think it makes. Like, mm-hmm. you know, in Star Wars, we're like, how does everybody have a ship, but they're broke, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, I, I feel like they're just, they're trying to, they're just trying to get by <clears throat> and they're just people who are, who sometimes do heroic things. Cause they're like, all right, I guess, yeah, we'll do yeah. this. <clears throat> and sometimes they do murder, you know? <laughs> And, like, I think they kind of have some sort of, not like a code code, but, yeah. I mean, I feel like Jet more. it's like, he's kind of trying to do police work after not being in the police anymore, but he's yeah. also kind of just applying his skill set to something where he can make money, you know, yeah. and Spike's <clears throat> kind of just trying to get by, and he's used to killing people, so he kills people sometimes, yeah. and, like, I mean, I guess that's bad, <clears throat> depending on the people, you know, but like the, the show, it does feel like it's not really trying to comment too much on it. And it's like, you know, they are usually, they're in rather dangerous situations. Yeah. And so sometimes when, um, you know, I mean like there's an assassin who's trying to kill him and then he disarms him and then he kills him. You know, it's like, well, that guy was probably going to keep trying to kill him, you know? So like, it's sort of still self-defense. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's, I feel like Malcolm Reynolds would be huge would like Malcolm Reynolds and like even Jane would kind of get along Jane Cobb from Firefly would get along well with these people. Oh sure, like, yeah, yeah. That same Yeah, I was gonna uh, say Jane for sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's that same like, you know Yeah, they have things they care about and like I mean one of the problems is that uh Spike keeps getting into situations where like he's either just like so mad at the people or he wants to look badass while he fights that mm-hmm. he's like like he kills people instead of taking them in uh, but sometimes it's because he's like just so angry at them or whatever it is. But he like he's a kind of terrible bounty hunter that way. Right, right. Like, because apparently they de- don't have. Yeah, they don't, don't have wanted dead or alive. Yeah, so exactly. Much, right? I was about to say like, <laughs> um, and even there, like towards the end of one of these episodes that we watched, again, only episodes one through five. Like, there's a scene where they finally have captured someone. It looks like everything is going to be okay, and the cops just show up and shoot him dead. Yeah, and like. And they know it's partly because the cops don't want to pay out the bounty. And, like, right. you get the sense, like, even this bounty hunter system is, like, completely crooked and fixed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so yeah. I, I – go ahead. I mean, the, the the law enforcement is definitely more villainous than, yeah. you know, the, 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 the these bounty hunters anyway. Yeah. I mean, like, that, one, that was sort of, like, one of the most egregious. It's like, oh, the person had just <clears throat> surrendered. There, mm-hmm. And, you know, and th- they were basically on a revenge quest – and they yeah. wanted to kill all these dogs, and then they're like, oh, I'm not going to kill all these dogs. I'm like, okay, I went from hating you to like, oh, you just got shot in the head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Which, I was going to say, I, I think that was another one of us. Oh, okay, I get why Paul likes this, because it's like, people get killed all the time, but like someone faces a moral quandary when it's about killing dogs. <laughs> Which is legit. Like, I'm not making fun of yeah. that, but I was also the like, The dogs you know, didn't do anything. The people mostly did yeah. stuff. <laughs> like, it's not mostly innocent bystanders getting yeah. shot. You know, it's mostly people with guns. Yeah. Or turned into trees. Yeah. Which the, we can talk about that we'll story get to specifically. That one. <laughs> and I, I think it should, it's, it's part of what makes me, 
mean, a they're just everyone is incredibly charismatic, you know, and like yeah. Spike and Jet, it's a very much a found family kind of dynamic. Like they squabble all the time, but it's very much kind of like you know mom and dad, and like we can get into kind of the ethics that they go through of like how they respect each other and stuff. But I just. <clears throat> I think I found it really refreshing that none of them were trying to be heroes. They weren't like setting a standard for themselves. They weren't they weren't asking anyone else to give them like special treatment or special respect. They're just people in this world where and, and like I think we can judge their choices and like sure. be with you know make their choices, but like it, it just it just it, it to me it, it reminds me a lot of even though it's a very different tone this, the sort of scum and villainy characters from Star Wars, especially in, like, um, you know, the Clone Wars and Rebels, where you've got, like, Hondo Anaka on one side and Cad Bane on the other, and, like, Hondo Anaka is, like, <clears throat> super friendly and cheery, and he's basically flirting with Obi-Wan and, like, just loves everybody. He'll happily betray you at the first chance sure. he gets, and he'll, yeah, like, yeah. kill people. Yeah, yeah. But then, like, when his own people betrays him, he's like, oh, my God, this is terrible. I'm so proud of you. Like... <laughs> And Cad Bane is just a straight killer, right? But also incredibly charismatic, and I just yeah. feel like these people would get along so well in that, like, people who don't have time for morality—they just got to survive, right? I mean, or like Han Solo when you meet him, or right, or you know, the Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, it's 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 a bounty shunner ho, bounty shunner ho. Wow, <laughs> it's a bounty hunter show in space in the future. You know, not the future, literally, but yeah. you know. Um, I guess the dog would be Grogu. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think maybe I like the Mandalorian a lot, but the Mandalorian is still set against the story of like pretty clear evil, you know, yeah. in terms of like the empire type people. And I think here, here we have this group called the syndicate yeah. who are pretty horrifically awful. Yeah. They're pretty much the worst. But like the two, even the two people we get in there, uh, vicious and his partner, whose name I can't remember. Um, you're an idyllic memory person. You're supposed to know Julia? this. Julia? Julia, thank you. Like, he's not great, but, like, even there, they're kind of charismatic. He's kind of charismatic. And, like, I enjoy spending time with them, even, you know? like Because yeah. I also see them as, like, they're trapped in a pretty terrible position, you know? And, like, toward the end of what we just saw, we found out that, like, even Spike may have actually been quite highly placed in the syndicate until recently. I mean, he was referred to as Vicious's partner. Yeah, Felix. You know, former partner, yeah. So, I mean, like, um, Vicious did, like, when he killed all the blind people, that seemed super unnecessary. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> what's the point of having them be blind and naked all the time if, like, you're just going to kill them anyway? Like, you know. Not to mention, like, you firing your semi-machine guns fairly indiscriminately into this area of, like, right. super expensive drug material. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Not, not the best. Not the best. Um, but yeah, but it seems like, but they are in, they're framed as being in a a sympathetic position, I think. Right. And also we don't spend a ton of time with them. Right. You know, also he possibly, um, was going to murder her and then almost choked her to death. So like, I'm not a huge fan of him. No, Um, for sure. He is charismatic though, you know? Yeah. And... he he's a villain I like spending time with. Like that's sure, that's like yeah. to me it's kind of like a like a Heath Ledger not not this level but like Heath like Heath Ledger's Joker is an awful <laughs> horrible terrible person. Not a good person. But I enjoy him being on screen. You know. Yeah, yeah. In a way that I often don't. The kind of like you were talking about how you just don't want to spend time with these characters. 
Right, exactly. And these are characters that I'm fine spending time with. Um, I would say Heath Ledger's Joker. There's an argument that he's the one who took down the mob in The Dark Knight. but Yeah, yeah I mean, he did in many ways. <laughs> like, I think that's fair. Again, I might question his methods a little <laughs> sure, bit. Sure, sure, like, sure. But no, I mean, I think, I mean, not to get off of that, I, I 100% agree with that. I think that's sort of the point is like Batman has decided it is okay to – all of the – like Harvey Dent has decided it's okay to – cut corners sometimes right you know batman has decided it's okay to cut corners sometimes yeah joker's decided it's okay to just cut the whole page <laughs> right? like, yeah 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 <laughs> just cut people sometimes yeah uh but yeah so what do you like do you see the syndicate as like the antagonist in this are they evil are they just like another group doing their thing but like they're get at odds with our heroes or our protagonists I mean, I, I feel like the syndicate and the ISSP, the, you know, the cop force, basically, I, I guess, is it like international space something police, whatever. I whatever. think so, yeah. But, um, I feel like they're the, like, organizational kind of structural antagonists. Right. In a lot of ways. Um, you know, and the fact that one of each of the, you know, the first two main characters comes from each branch, kind of. Right. You know, the, the <clears throat> cops and robbers, if you will. I yeah. think I think it sets up an interesting dynamic, you know. Yeah. Where I think, you know, Jet is sort of sympathetic to that way of life and approach, but then also was you mean Spike got, is? No, I mean Jet. Okay. To the to the cops. Oh, okay. Got to it, the right. ISSP. I guess <clears throat> I didn't did I say? anyway, but uh, and then meanwhile, Spike is sort of to, to the syndicate, like right. he knows what it's like, you know, <clears throat> and maybe doesn't think it's inherently the worst. Um, yeah. They seem horrible, but then like the cops seem horrible too. So it feels like it is this world where there are these very large organizations that are pretty awful, but that their organizations filled up with people who are mostly like just trying to do their thing. Yeah. And, and that feels very real. It feels very kind of like The Wire to me, but mm, just totally yeah. outlandishly <laughs> different, you know. But it, it actually feels a lot like The Wire to actually, me Actually, that's perfect, yeah. You're right, because it, it's – so much of The Wire is about that it's not really the people, it's the systems. Mm -hmm. And that the systems turn – like, it is very hard to be a good person in these systems. And, yeah. like, as you were talking, I was saying, yeah, I think that's part of what the show is about is, like, again, very much in a kind of Malcolm Reynolds, Firefly kind of way – of like, yeah, the syndicate is the law in many places, just as much as the cops are in others. Yeah. And if you're just trying to be your own person and like have your own ship and do your own thing, that's hard because like, you know, it's like this, you're, the system's always going to win in the end. Right. Um, it, this is an interesting connection, but I also think it, it, it fits with especially what you just said at the end there. I've recently been reading the first canon Thrawn trilogy. Like there's, uh, okay. we're here talking about Star Wars. Grand Admiral Thrawn was introduced in a non-canonical set of books called Heir to the Empire, yeah. but the character was so beloved, and and as part of being reintroduced in the Rebels TV show for Star Wars, uh, they actually wrote a series of uh, the same person, Timothy Zahn, wrote a series of canonical novels about him, and I just finished that uh, trilogy. There's another trilogy now being written, and that trilogy follows his character. During the time of Star Wars Rebels. And he's mostly off on other adventures, but, you know, and he is a person who's very much an antagonist in the uh, TV show. Mm -hmm. But kind of like, he has his own reasons and he's kind of separate from the Empire. 
But as part of that, you spend a lot of time on his ship and you meet other people who are like imperial officers. And most of them are pretty decent people. Like they're part of the empire because like they believe like in the military and like doing what's right and following orders. And like there's definitely a sense of like they this is like before Alderaan, like they don't maybe they don't quite understand and like maybe they'd feel differently if they did. But it's also like but there's also just like they were conscripted or like, you know, their family's been in the military for five generations. The the point is I ended the books feeling sympathetic to officers in the Imperial Navy. Right. And then I had to stop and think about that and be like in two months after the last book ends, these people are like the people who are Luke and Han are blowing up right. and like death stars bad, do it. But like it's interesting. One of the things I think that made star Wars such a great story in so many ways, but also like not, it's very ethically clear is you literally never see the faces of the stormtroopers, the tie fighter pilots or like right. the only, you do see the, uh, the Imperial officers, but they're all so, they are twirling they're their so mustaches yeah, as yeah. much as they can. Yeah, yeah. Tarkin is fantastic at it. Uh, but like, they're so clearly evil, make evil faces. And yeah, so having, having to be like, yeah, some like just mid-level commanders or captains or lieutenants on these ships or, you know, decent people. It was hard. It was hard. And it, it makes me think of Star Wars in a whole new way. Long tangent over, I, I feel like it's the exact same thing happening here, where it's like the syndicate could just be nameless and faceless, but instead, like, yeah, they're people. Like, Vicious is well-named. Right. <laughs> He's not a yeah, good yeah, person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, the other, yeah, it's just, it's they're just people. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think I think it's sometimes it's nice to have a story where you don't have to worry about all those things. Yeah. But I think when it comes to, um, you know, trying to sort of understand the real world, you know, mm-hmm. like having that level of relatability amongst the antagonists, I think is very important because, yeah. you know, I think. In whatever, you know, organizations there are that are, you know, vastly oppressive, the day-to-day lives or the day-to-day, like, what people are doing is not, like, someone doesn't, I guess, I guess this is what I would say, like, somebody doesn't have to be horrible to do horrible things. Like, there's a difference between being horrible and doing something, or you're being vicious and, you know, doing vicious things. And, I mean, you know, I I say a lot of things about the, you know, the U.S. military and cops and whatever, but I mean, I have have friends and family who are or have been in in both, and they're not, like, horrible people or anything, like... And, you know, I don't know what they individually did in those capacities, but, like, I think those organizations do a lot of bad things. And, yeah. you know, I'm not going to not think that just because I know people who are, um, who, who are, who I think of as very decent, who, who are in those organizations or work. Yeah. It's, it's just like organizations are made up of people and the organization has its agenda. And often the, the agenda of any given organization is to like crush the spirit of the people in it as much as possible to like kind of mold them and push them into um, just being like a gear in the machine, basically. Yeah, you know, exactly. you could substitute just like any corporation for that yeah, as well. Like, because it's yeah, it's like you're a decent person who will generally sort of be like, hey, should we do this thing? Mm-hmm. But the whole system is set up to stop you from doing that, and you'd be like, just, just, just follow orders, you know. Right. And again, I, I say that phrase intentionally because 
when you know, like, you're working in Auschwitz, you are seeing the things you are doing. You know, following orders is not an acceptable excuse. Right. But part of, part of I think, and, and I think, and this will help us get into our next question, part of what has happened, I think, and a lot of philosophers have talked about this, like, as our technology has become more and more mechanized, you are further and further away from the damage that the machine that you are a cog in is creating, mm-hmm. you know, like if you're just like mid-level person at one of these huge corporations, like you're pushing paper from one side of the desk to the other, you have no like direct connection to the, like, you know, people in India whose like farm, farm water, your company is polluting, you know? Right. And like, that's part of why we try to make people aware. And like, and like, I'm not letting them off the hook for that. Like, but I think that's one of the things that uh, The Wire gets so, so well is that in both you see people who are decent people. They care about the people they care about, but also like they're just part of these machines and they've been told like, yeah, if you got to kill these other people, go ahead and do it. Even though it's yeah. – it's and, and it doesn't ex- it doesn't excuse it at all. No. Like I don't think – I'm no. not saying Vicious is a good person. It's just he's the person. Yeah. The, yeah. The point is is like that – people can be capable of doing horrible things, but also doing not horrible things. And that the people who do horrible things, um, it's, it's not like being without agency, but it's, it's just like, it's complicated, you know? And, and what you do is what you do. And the effects of it aren't lessened because like you didn't want to do it. Right. But like, I I think, I think for me, the real point here, especially is that, it's not that we're saying so therefore let's like forgive people who do terrible things. It's that I think often there's a feeling of like, oh, that person's a monster. That mm-hmm. person is terrible. And the thing is that once you do that, you've now drawn a separation between the two of you. Because now it's possible to both say, Oh, well, look, I always buy my friends a beer if they're not doing well. I, I send my kids gifts. I I I hold the door and I don't like, you know, I tip my waitress. Right. I'm a decent person. So how could I be part of a company that was doing these horrible things? Or like, yeah, my buddy's always been good to me. I, I, I don't believe these stories of the terrible things he's doing, you know? And I, to me, that's why I just, I love stories that like, we did an episode before about like the mundanity of evil, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, I, I just love that the story gets into that. Um, Go ahead if you're going to. Oh, yeah. I was just going to agree and, and just say, basically, to me, it's a barrier to understanding. And to some extent, it's a refusal to understand. And understanding doesn't mean to, you know, forgive or just give a blank, you know, card, like get out of, you know, having done something bad, like whatever you think should happen in that case. Like, it's just like understanding gives you the ability to then make rational decisions going forward, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Well, and and taking that idea of what I was saying about how the more technologically advanced you get, the more... Any individual part of the machine is separated from the damage it's causing. Mm. I, I think it's a Very great transition to talk about, I think, what's a core idea of the show that I know you really want to get into, which is that we are not – this is very much a science fiction show. It's anime, yeah. so, like, science. Uh, but, like, in terms of the conceit of we are now hundreds of years in the future and, you know, humanity has now gone off to all the other planets – and we don't get many details, but we've actually learned that recently, like, something horrible happened to Earth. Like, Earth, I believe, I, I think what the implication is, Earth is no longer habitable. Um, so so talk to me about kind of how, how you feel about the way the show is exploring that, the idea of, like, civilization, humanity, post-Earth. Yeah, I find post-Earth civilization a very interesting um, prospect. Personally, I think if it's 
feasible, like, humans should leave Earth at once and leave it alone. <laughs> and, like, go terraform Mars. Like, th- there's the there's the bit about the, you know, eco-terrorists, which I think is, it's very interesting. Like, well, what is the goal of eco-terrorism in when every biome is, is manufactured or, like, terraformed right. or whatever? And when you terraform a place, are you giving it a full biome or like I personally find like I find a post meat future unacceptable. Um, I mean, I find a present, you know, uh, world unacceptable, but like the idea, like with a certain level of technology, you should just like, I mean, that actually currently exists. You can, you can grow actual meat now that doesn't come from a, a living animal. Right. But I, I've started super, cooking super, with it. Super, I'm, oh, really? St- I'm still learning, but I'm like, oh, yeah, it's 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 not bad. And I, I I would like to more and more move that direction. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, I, I will say you're talking about, about th- the actual flesh, right? That's yeah. It, yeah. It, it's like three times more expensive, right? Is the so that's thing right now. yeah. That's yeah. what I was going to say is that it currently isn't um, affordable for the majority of the population to rely yeah. on most of the time, right? Um, but over time, it it seems like it should over time be like ridiculously more affordable mm-hmm. because you, you you don't have to grow the rest of the cow. Like, right. <laughs> right that's expensive. Um, you don't need a, the same amount of land and whatever. And so I find that aspect of the future and then talking about, Oh, is this a real, is that a real dog? Like I've never seen a dog before. It's like, what do you mean? You've never seen a dog before. It's like, can you eat them? No, you can't eat them. It's like, how would I know? Like, why right. would you know that you can't eat a dog if you don't know that you can't eat a cow? You know, right. like, well, especially does... because like, I mean, and that that gets into a whole other set of ethical questions. Like in some cultures, you can't eat dogs. Sure. And like uh, in some cultures, you can't eat cows. Yeah. Like th- there's often the sense of like and again, I'm <laughs> I'm going to explain to you like odd ethic, not explain to you, but like I'm going to talk about ethical distinctions within meat eating. And I sure. understand for you, it's all like it, it's all nonsense. But like it, to me that uh, I will be very critical of the fact that. I do eat meat. I I don't have too much of a problem with it, but I think a lot of times people do terrible ethical things as part of the way they justify eating meat. Mm-hmm. And I think one of them is 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 basically like the cuter an animal is, the less I want to eat it. Which right, is basically right. like if you're pretty enough, we won't kill you. Right, right. Um, which is problem. <laughs> um, right. and yeah, there's this idea of like, well, but we love dogs. Dogs are cuddly and wonderful. So how could you ever eat a dog? But a cow. Whereas, like, I think a pig is the, like, the most adorable animal you've ever seen. Like, yeah. Um, if pigs were furry, people wouldn't eat them very much, I think. Probably not. They just probably don't not. have a lot of fur. Yeah. But they're, but like, like, as smart or smarter than dogs. Yeah. But you're right. Also, like, the, in, in India, or like, many parts of India, mm-hmm. many parts of Hinduism, like, yeah. cows are sacred. So you don't eat cows. It, it's incredibly cultural dependent, but we act as though there's just, like, there's something inherent about, like, dogs can't be eaten. But you're right. right. Like, in a, in a world like that, how would you know that? You wouldn't have been taught this ridiculous distinction, so... Right, or you might not have, right, depending. Yeah. Like, um, and it seems like some of them, like Spike and Jet, are like, no, of course you're not going to eat a dog. But, like, she's, like, I don't know, you know, it's... Um, we haven't gotten Faye's full backstory yet, but... Yeah. But just kind of, you know, the, the sort of ethics of food, I guess, um, are, you know, as technology advances, as you're not living in natural biomes, it's like, mm-hmm. well, now you get to choose kind of what you know what living organisms to create to exist around and to um you know get your food from and whether to get your food that way or to try and create it some other way and and i think there's 
I like that the show kind of lampshades that and gives it a little bit of thought. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't feel like the show that necessarily needs to spend a ton of time with it. Yeah. Um, but I think it is a very interesting kind of um, road to, to go down. And like, I think, I think a lot of people are like, oh, well, like humans shouldn't like go to Mars and then like mess up another planet. And it's like, well, what's on Mars? Like, right. I mean, granted, maybe there's some kind of life forms on Mars that we don't have the means to perceive and, and going there could mess with that. But like, mm-hmm. by and large, it's like, as far as I'm aware, it's a big rock yeah, <laughs> floating in space, you know, or it's not that big compared to the earth. Right? right. I think it's actually smaller, but like, and then Venus, like, I think Venus is super hot. So mm-hmm. I don't know what they're doing with all that. But like, you know, they kind of, they talk about the science fiction stuff, but they don't get too deep into like the science yeah. stuff, which like, I also a... appreciate. I think that rarely age as well. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think one thing they do that I, and here's where many people say it is no longer science fiction, but I think it is a much better way of storytelling where like they show you the technology, but because they never, like to me, once, once you tell me that A equals B and B equals C when you later in a story, like now, okay, you've told me that's the rule, so now you right. need to stick to that rule. Yeah, yeah, and then Whereas if you're here, like, A doesn't equal C, and you're like, but the transitive property. Yeah, and like, but now that, I don't math at me. Uh, but like, <laughs> you said that, okay. Yeah, uh, but like, yeah, in this world, you fly through some rings, and then pretty lights happen, and then you're going at like light warp piper speed. It's never been explained, so it doesn't have to be a plot point. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah the the less you explain the mechanisms behind, um, behind your magic, basically, yeah. because any you know any technology that's sufficiently advanced is, can be perceived as magic, basically. Right. Um, the less you explain that, the less likely you are to violate it yourself in yeah. the future. And if you want to create some super detailed explanation of how magic works or how technology <clears throat> works, fine. But now I'm going to have to hold you to that standard that you've created. Right. Yeah. And here they're just like, eh, it can fly. Don't worry. I mean, about it's the same it. kind of reason why, like, Back to the Future is one of the only time travel movies I really love. Right. Because it never tries to tell me how time travel works. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, look, time travel is an excuse to tell some fun jokes and mm-hmm. tell a fun story. Um, it, another thing I was going to say about it, this view of, like, you know, scarcity still existing. Uh, and this isn't, this is a lot of science fiction today, but I think this one is a very particular example of it, especially because they bring up things like that. Like, even in the future, some people still want meat. Um, there's a bit of a tangent here, but I think you'll see where I'm going. Mm-hmm. My mother loved Star Trek. It was her favorite mm-hmm. TV show, the original. And, you know, my mother was very much a, a child of the 60s and, like, grew up in the 60s. And when she wanted me to understand what she meant about how the 60s were just a fundamentally hopeful time. Right. When people had all this optimism about the future, Star Trek is one of the examples she used. And in part because... and and. This is more developed in Next Generation, but it's very true in the original series. Like, you know, gay luxury space communism. Like, an essential part of it is that technology would get to a point that technology would conquer the problem of scarcity. And so all the economic woes would go away. And, you know, they had that in the 60s. They had some of it in the 90s. But then, like, Deep Space Nine, like, all of a sudden we're we're playing with money again and, and, and other shows like that. And I think this show... To me, that's a very intentional thing of saying, like, in this futuristic world, we can do crazy, crazy things, but income equality is still a thing. Economic oppression is still a thing. 
And like, we don't even have the technology to make everybody not want to eat meat anymore. You know? Right. Like, or, or we choose to have some sort of manufactured scarcity. Yeah. You know. Also very much a possibility. Um, I mean, this was like late 90s was was the original run mm, okay. of the show and, yeah. and the manga. Um, and so I feel like there was, I mean, there was an economic boom. But at the same time, there was all the sort of like end of millennium doom also. Yeah, I mean, well, a, I mean, yeah, a, a, I, I think, think like being a sort of very dark kind of. Right. A, if I remember correctly, like Japan, especially, which is mm. where this is from, was having oh, a very true. difficult yes. time. But even America, like that was the age of Clinton. You know, that was the age of like the richer were getting richer. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think it fits because I think like the 60s Star Trek, it's like we believe this will happen. Right. TNG, even by then, it's becoming like, oh, this is a really wonderful aspirational fairy tale. Like, right, right, you know, right. like, and especially even there, once Roddenberry dies, they abandon it pretty quickly because most people mm. were like, this isn't realistic. Like, we right. we don't think that, that the future will become this. And so, yeah, it, it's funny. I was saying that, oh, this is 30 years after that. No, actually, Bebop was one of those was one of those that was like, yeah, actually, what about the future? But not everything right. perfect. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's like, we probably can't forecast 300, 400 years out, you know, like Mm -hmm. I'm just going to take a people forecasting more than a decade in advance are not so reliable, you know, I, I think yes and no. And I think it goes back to what you just said. I think whether or not technology will make it possible to eradicate scarcity, you're correct, is hard to predict. I think, though, what you said about, like, is it actual scarcity or is it manufactured scarcity? I think right now I am comfortable predicting that without massive fundamental structural changes to economic systems and political systems, that we will continue to be at a t- like the economic and political forces of our day will be doing everything they can to mm. prevent, you know, like. Yeah, and this, I mean, it goes all the way yeah. back to Tesla and like people not wanting like free electricity for everyone, you know, and all this kind of stuff. Like, um, and I'm, I'm wildly generalizing uh, the details of that particular sure, sure, story, sure. but yeah, like, I, so yeah, I, I, I feel you're right. Like, it, who knows what's going to happen in the future, but I do feel like without major change, people trying to stop gay, lesbian, gay luxury space communism is certainly a something I'm comfortable placing a bet oh, on. Oh, I'm comfortable saying, yeah, people. There are going to be people who are trying to maintain the current power structures, namely the people benefiting from the current power structures and, right. you know, the people who believe them in terms of how they say things should be. Um, I, I just think in terms of how things actually will go, like, I, I, I almost feel the opposite in terms of, like, I agree with you totally on that. I think the science will definitely be there unless there's some sort of right. cataclysmic disaster you know, besides, aside from climate change, like, right. I, I mean, I think, I think climate, ridiculous climate change looks like an almost certainty. Um, I think social, uh, enormous social, social change seems to me almost like a certainty, but the direction, I feel like there's very high variance. Like we're extremely likely to see huge changes. I don't yeah. know what those changes are going to be. And anybody who tells me they do have like a pretty firm line on what those changes are going to be. I think is kind of full of it. But in your point that there are definitely going to be forces trying to keep things the way they are or keep things on the trajectory where, you know, the rich get richer and the poor, whatever, 
Um, of course, of course, hundred yeah. percent. And I think one thing that I really like about that is one thing I like. Wow, that sounds awful. <laughs> I don't <laughs> like. <laughs> one thing that I really like about the show is I have the what you just said about like the people who are benefiting. Yeah. I don't have any idea who those people are. Like we have seen so oh. little of them in the show. Like yeah, true. Even in the syndicate, like Vicious is like a mid-level guy. You know, mm-hmm. he has power, but he's clearly very much under the thumb of the people above him. And we've seen a little bit of, of the people above the, of those people, but not very much. They literally wear masks when right. we see them. Yeah. And even there, I mean, I don't think like the syndicate is like the criminal gang of the galaxy. You know, right. it's not Black Sun or uh, what's the one in Star Wars? Is it Black Sun or Black Star? Oh, I, I don't know. I just got. I know what you're from, talking about. Yeah, yeah but. Uh, I'm about to get another angry emails, but we we talk about characters and philosophy, not exact names. Um, but yeah, like like I think it is. It is Black I think Sun? Suppo- yeah. No, no, no. no. I, I mean, maybe, but I mean, um, I think it is. Um, the Syndicate is like this huge interplanetary right. syndicate. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's definitely powerful, but I think it's like. Even there, like, there are probably people higher up who were like, yeah, you know what, letting this – we could shut down the syndicate on some level, but, like, l- I have no idea what the government of any of these worlds is, you know? all I, We right. just see the cops. We don't yeah, know yeah. who's, like, the higher ups. And I think that's very intentional because I think, it's, again, think so. it's like we're, you're very separated from these people. It is Black Sun, by the way. Black Sun. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, yeah, the syndicate, they probably don't have a Sith at the top. <laughs> right. Or retired Seth, or whatever. Yeah, but ex Seth, ex Seth. Um, yeah, I, I mean, y- you know, you said you don't know who these people are who are benefiting from it. Um, like on <clears throat> our present day Earth, I don't either. Like, I know there are people who are perpetrating it, but mm-hmm. in like, I honestly don't think unless a person's goal is simply to have more relative, um wealth than other people around them mm-hmm. i think every person who does that would actually in the long run have a better life if it didn't go the way it goes like oh yeah <clears throat> like there would just be a better world to live in with you know more advances in medicine and technology and like mm-hmm. i just personally that's that's my you know uh i guess idealistic view of the world is just like i just think the world would literally be better for absolutely every person even the people who are currently oppressing or, or right. you know at the the reins of oppression or whatever i think would actually benefit from being less oppressive right. because you just you just have a better world right and and that's something i feel like cuz i think part of what you're getting at there is there's many who would argue i think myself included that part of what the economic structures we live in is it, it's the rat race mentality of yeah. like, you have to have more. And and one thing I think is very important is in the Star Trek understanding of things, it's not just that it eliminates scarcity, it eliminates the fear of scarcity. And they uh, talk yeah. about how like, they specifically say like, when he, it took generations, I think is the understanding, mm-hmm. but like mm-hmm. when people no longer were raised to think like, you have to get yours because if they get theirs, that means you get less. You know, and that that's I think that's why, like, it's hard for people to imagine that if everyone's doing good, you're actually doing better. Right. Um, you know, or that, like, if the planet isn't dying, maybe you're doing better. Um, uh, yeah. It, <laughs> um, just in terms of timeline, though, 
Cowboy Bebop is in 2071, or at least the original was set in 2071, which really? hilariously okay. is only 50 years from now, which is around when um, apparently that's how when Earth became uninhabitable. So okay, yay! <laughs> feels feels like next year maybe. Um, yeah, I, I I feel like our space work is not uh quite a little bit behind in terms of the colonization. Right, right. People can only get into you know kind of somewhere where it's like <laughs> uh, is this space depends on which metric you use. But um, That's I mean funny. in terms I, of like, I had no idea know, it was supposed to be that close to near future. Yeah, well, and there I I don't think it's like intergalactic travel, right? I think it's. I could be wrong, but I mean, they're talking about Mars. They're talking about Venus. They're talking about, about Ganymede. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. it's most. I think it is mostly supposed to be things in our. They talk about the belt. Yeah, right. And whereas, um, I mean, Star Trek is is it yeah. intergalactic or is it? No, it's all in in well. In, there are nope. certain like episodes that are about like intergalactic, but like ninety nine percent of things are within our galaxy, and even right. there, like you know, Star Trek Voyager is all about a ship that gets transported to the other end of the galaxy. Yeah. And it's going to take 75 years to fly right. across the galaxy. Okay. So like, but it's not like Saturn. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. It, it's... Yeah, and that could make sense. Like, it's like... The idea of colonizing our... Certainly the idea of, like... Because I, I think what that would imply... I, I don't remember the astrophysics, but, like, they we're probably talking then about fa- fast... We are not necessarily talking about faster than light travel. Um, right you could fly to mars like if you weren't gonna die i mean humans have sent things to the edge of of the the solar system right not to the edge of the milky way right well because like i think i'm not a space physicist but like from my my understanding of it like it is theoretically possible to have a spaceship that goes much 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 faster it is not actually known if it is theoretically possible to go faster than light, you know? Right. It is um, generally believed not to be possible, but, you know. Right. Exactly. Um, all right. We're wandering way off topic <laughs> here. Uh, I, I, kind of, I want to get maybe to do, like, some last things about individual episodes, but is there any other kind of other general stuff about this post-scarcity um, world? Because I think it's a, there may be some other big topics to get into there. Yeah. Not or, post-scarcity, or like not but post-Earth, post, post right? Post-Earth humanity. Um, I, yeah, I think it's just really interesting how much of kind of human culture, pe- like of Earth culture, people have hung on to. But it makes sense that it's only, you know, so many years in the future. Like, there's going to be a lot of people who did grow up on Earth, right? Right. And are, like, old now. And they talk about cryo-freezing, you know, so it's like um, there could be, I mean, it, it could be very different, different people's experiences here. Right. Um, but, yeah, I just, I find it a really interesting setting. <clears throat> and, um you know, how people proceed past Earth, I think, is a really good question. And yeah. hopefully Elon Musk won't be the only person answering that. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah, talk about a whole other set of ethics, which I'm not going to get into. Um, we've talked before, we actually did a whole episode on, like, the ethics of remakes. And, like, mm. what degree of latitude you can or can't have or should or shouldn't have and a fan should be upset or not. And obviously we talked about, like, a lot of fans are upset about some details of this, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, some maybe more, like, just pure sexism than others. Um, but in terms of a remake, we are getting, like, we're, the plot lines are very similar. In some cases, like, there's exact, like, whole lines of dialogue are taken straight from the show. Yeah. And a lot of yeah. shots are, like, like, I did some, like, side-by-side comparisons. There are some scenes where it's, like, a shot-by-shot remake. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, 
Grant, I've not seen many things that went from anime to live action, but even just I, I have never seen something that is being this faithful of a like maybe not faithful because sometimes it's not, but where like some things are just straight taken, no adaptation whatsoever. What what's your take on kind of how they're doing that? So I'm I'm going to plug actually my favorite anime of all time, mm-hmm. uh, Roroni Kenshin, um, and there is uh, the two the the first and last movies, which are the last two that they made, but one's called the beginning and one's called the final. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> it they're gonna is, make a prequel called the middle, right? Uh, the beginning is a prequel. It's okay. I've seen it described as the best prequel, um, like ever, or that the the reviewer had ever seen, and. I can't think of a better prequel, but it is, I mean, just watching the show and then being like, well, how are they going to do that in live action? And then seeing the live action be like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah." Like they nailed it so much. Um, And some of it is, I believe, like very much shot for shot. It, uh, Kenshin, it just like the, the extent to which they captured like the essence of the characters, the... Uh, the visuals of the series, I, mm. I just found incredibly impressive. Um, I, I recommend both movies, and I'd like to see the other three live action. Also, the the you know the show itself is fantastic. Um, and so seeing this kind of reminds me of that, of like, oh, it really captures, to me it captures, like the first thing you want to do, I think, is capture the essence of whatever it is. Yeah. And, and that's... <clears throat> somewhat subjective so to different people that's going to mean something different and it's different if you're like taking a show that was animation and then you're making it live action compared to taking a show uh something that's like was in the comics and maybe had 200 different iterations of like say batman or whatever right right it's like it's harder to say somebody's interpretation of batman is wrong it's more like it's one i don't like don't appreciate and doesn't match my idea of Batman, but there've been so right. many different Batmans, you know? Yeah. It's where the phrase, not my Batman, I think is actually a, a much more generous phrase than, than right. I've interpreted as. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I think, I mean, for me, it's weird. You, you say the dialogue is line for line. I, I, I watched the original show in Japanese with subtitles. Um, I think the Japanese voice acting is so much better in anime than the English dubs. I'm oh yeah. Sure I, I watched it subtitles as well. Oh, you did. Okay. Good. Yeah. Good. Because it's just so much better. Um, and and just hearing him call him Spike sounds weird. Because like, Spike, you know, it's yeah. like, that's that's what I, I think of. In fact, whenever I'm on Skype, I'm like, Skype. But, uh, <laughs> but like, it it just, it, to be able to go and, and have it in a different language, to have them be meat puppets instead of animation, um, I, I think it's an, you know, not to mention the set design and everything, and really the cinematography. I mean, their choice of angles, the number of times they're basically just showing someone's feet walking in the door. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I think it is extremely faithful to the original. I think they also made some intelligent choices in terms of taking um, a couple of stories and kind of putting them together into one. Yeah. You know, and kind of melding things to make it a, a little tighter than... You know, if you're doing 20-minute animated episodes and you're going to do a whole bunch of episodes, you probably want slightly different structure to your stories than if you're making 40-minute live-action episodes. Right. Right. So I think they both are very um, true to the original in essence and in style and everything and generally in story, but then have, have taken some liberties that 
work for me anyway. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, I I think a lot of it's what they're doing is the shot for shot of like the most iconic scenes, you know? Yeah. Um, I, um, you know, one of the first episodes, I think the, the first episode is where we get introduced to the red eye stuff and, you know, you get this scene where, uh, what was his name? It was like something, it was like a philosopher's name or something like that. Um, red eye guy. Do you have any idea what I'm talking about here? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, like I'm thinking Aristotle, but it's not. No. Yeah. But it's Asimov, I think. Oh yeah. 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 So philosopher although i mean father of science fiction according to many yeah, so yeah. kind of fitting here yeah. you know and you know him and his his girlfriend who at first they think is like you know being abused by him but it turns out like he's actually like with him and like they have this actual like romance in this beautiful way and you know uh our hero like spike kind of falls for her a bit and has a little bit of a white knight wanting to rescue her and then realizes like that's not what she wants and like there's this great scene from the anime of the 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 two ships like getting closer and closer to the cops and him, uh, Asimov's dead and she's flying into certain death and he and Spike's trying to talk her out of it and she's just like this is who I am, and she just flies on and basically commit literally commits suicide by cop, and it was such an effective scene in the anime, and then seeing it so perfectly redone, I was like. Yeah, if you were going to tell Asimov's story and not give me that scene, it would have felt wrong, mm. you know? And so I just felt like, yeah, that was so smart about here's the way to do it. Yeah, that's that's the scene that, like, when I was re-watching the anime, I was like, ah, I don't know if I want to keep watching this show. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I don't love it. I don't love it. But, like, it did, they did really, watching it in the live action, was like, yeah, okay, I just saw this. I know she's going to go suicide by cop. Right. The, the difference, there are a couple things that they changed, which is... I think in the anime she's pregnant. Oh, is she actually pregnant? In the I think anime? she's actually pregnant in the anime, and in the I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure in the anime she was actually pregnant, and she wants to like raise her baby on New Mars or something, or on Mars, not New Mars. Right. Um, and uh, and she shoots Asimov in the face. Yes, that part I remember. And here he just gets shot. Right. And she's just kind of like, oh, let's just fly. So I think those are like fairly significant differences that I think, um, to me, they kind of like soften it a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, like for her character in terms of like, you know, in the one she's pregnant here, it's like, she's just faking it. And, uh, but in a way that makes sense, it's like, okay, that that's logical. Um, but then like her shooting him in the face is definitely different. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, it's know. funny because like. I, I never claimed to be an expert on the original. I watched it once um, and did not sort of retain huge, many details. But, like, I remembered that scene, that shot so yeah. powerfully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I didn't remember the plot details at all. <laughs> right. But but the, the visuals of it, like, really yeah. stick there with you. And, you know, the end result. Like, dead, yeah. dead, not dead. Like... Well, and then it also, it, it, it's about her, but it also tells us a lot about Spike's character as well. Yes, Absolutely. Um, so one other episode I wanted to talk about, because it, it, it kind of touches close to something you and I have talked about a lot, is the one with the eco-terrorists, who right. are also kind of like the Clampets. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's just, and I bring that up because, you know, you have talked before about how, like, if people want to, like, go around blowing up, you know, things that are hurting the earth, like, you're not always opposed to it. And I'm, uh, we're both talking purely theoretically here, of course, to any NSA or FBI agents listening, um, 
but I'm I'm not in in sympathetic either. And like we both were kind of on Team Carly for a while in Falcon the Winter Soldier until that went in some bad directions. Uh I I, I didn't love the way that that plot line po- played out. What what was your take on it? I didn't know what they wanted. Uh, I don't quite understand what eco-terrorism is in a post-Earth future. To clarify my position on present world eco-terrorism, like, I th- I think it's justifiable, but not very effective, probably. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, I'm not telling anybody to go out and do anything, but like, I'm not mad. Like, like the, I mean, the... If you're actually, you know, targeting organizations or machinery or whatever that is destroying the earth, like, those people are killing people and killing all sorts of other living beings. Um, And, you know, whatever. But, like, I generally don't think that it's necessarily going to be that effective in general anyway. So, like, that's often my metric for, like, you know, these things that most people think you shouldn't do because they think they're just objectively bad... I think you probably shouldn't do them because they're going to cause certain damage, but they're not actually going to be effective in getting the result you want. Um, But like in this show, it definitely just felt like it was played for laughs. They were, you know, she, the mom was horrible and the kids were idiots basically. Mm -hmm. And then, um, so I, I didn't love that. And, uh, it, but it also felt kind of inconsequential. Like, it didn't feel like we were meant to really dig into it much. Yeah. You know? Like, they had... Did you get what they wanted? Like, what... They were mad about something about the trees that were being terraformed? Or... There was a corporate... Like, yeah, so all of the, this Basically, like, they had built a forest through right. terraforming. And now they were, like... They were basically, like, clearing the forest for construction. You know? Okay. It, you know, it was like... You know, sure, they're sure. cutting down forest in order to have more like, you know, farmland or more like business land and corporation right. land and, and like big apartment buildings and big factories. So like, you know, like the like basically like it, it, it's the equivalent of cutting down the rainforest. But like right. when you've built the rainforest and like like it's, the rainforest wasn't created by Mother Nature. The rainforest was created by and like we don't know what the biosphere is and like, does the biosphere depend on these trees for something? Like it's never discussed. Yeah. And like what's in the forest, is it just trees is, are there like animals and insects and stuff there? Like we we don't know enough about the world. I feel like to have too much opinion on like what they're actually doing. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, yeah, the the corporations are horrible. Like they got that right. Like yeah. you know, but um, it 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 felt it felt like kind of thin, you know, mm-hmm. and like it was like oh we'll just go with, um, you know, this for this story. And I don't remember that story in the original, but it it might have been directly from there. I'm not sure, but um, it. It does feel very much like a 90s villain in some ways. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. the sort of stereotypical, like, out-to-lunch eco-terrorist or something. Yeah, it's seems. kind of like the the um, Uma Thurman poison ivy. I, that's you know? exactly <laughs> what I had in my mind. <laughs> I was picturing that. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, and literally, like, they basically have these devices that, you know, turn people into trees. Like, like poison ivy can often right. turn people into trees. And, like... I have questions about the air distribution in the room where the spores were released. Mm-hmm. Like it just didn't 
some people were affected and some people weren't, and I didn't get it. I mean, but... air filtration and currents are very complicated. We've learned this over the last two years. Also but... true. Also true. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I know. I was like, you probably shouldn't be breathing. I don't know. Um, it, it, it didn't seem super clear in that mm-hmm. regard. That I wouldn't say that was necessarily my least favorite episode, but that was like one of my least favorite aspects about the show so far. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, and I feel like we're just not given enough information to really be like, oh, are these sympathetic? Like, I don't think they were meant to be that sympathetic, Mm -hmm. but I think all of, so far, everybody that they've been like going after has been mostly to some extent sympathetic. Yeah. You know, I mean, in the beginning, like what there was like, there's that couple, right? Asimov and I think Katarina or something. Mm -hmm. Um, and then there's. Um, I mean, there's the teddy bear guy, which is less sympathetic, but is kind of just weird. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then there's, then there's the guy who wants revenge for, um, for whatever he wanted revenge for, I guess. Oh, for, I think his parents died on earth, right? Because yeah. they were sending rich people's dogs out to space. Yeah. And that's set. why he like hates dogs. But then right. he's like, yeah, he's he's like oh, and I think that's part of the thing is it's, he didn't, even when he was on earth, he didn't know what dogs really were. Right. Like, he kind of saw them, but he didn't, like, he didn't have the visceral, like, oh, dogs are adorable thing. He just thought, yeah, yeah. they're these things that went in escape pods instead of my parents. Yeah, and then he saw them, he's like, oh, but, oh. Yeah. And, and in many ways, I mean, that, that, I don't mean this in a bad way at all, but, like, I think that's often a trope of the bounty hunter story. Yeah. Of, like, the bounty hunter who, like, catches up with the person, but the person's on the run because actually they did something, like, and, right. and you become sympathetic to them, and, um... Uh, Midnight Run is one of my absolute favorite oh, yeah, movies and is a great story of exactly what I was thinking of. <laughs> well, it's Charles Grodin and Robert De Niro. Yeah, Sorry. yeah, it's yeah. a great movie. <laughs> so good. Um, I, I think it's kind of a good place for us to wrap up. Is there any kind of the last last big things you want to touch on? No, I'm good. Cool. We'll watch another five episodes and, and maybe have another chat. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to actually do two more episodes on this one. One is on um the the uh you know community ethics i was thinking it'd be fun to do an episode with the guys from animation liberation just okay. on like you know what is it like for them like as people who are really students of anime and animation like seeing mm-hmm. it come to the live action and all that um well paul i do know you are creating a lot of content in other places these days where what are you up to and where can people find it uh i'm still on twitch zen madman uh you can find me on twitter as, as zen madman and um a bunch of zen madman poker on uh youtube awesome Awesome. Yeah, definitely check all that out. Uh, for myself, uh, uh, you can obviously find me here. You can find me on Star Wars Universe Podcast, which that episode of that will not be coming out this week uh, just because it's Thanksgiving and, you know, people traveling, family, all that kind of stuff. Uh, we will be getting back to it. And trust me, we will be uh, hitting uh, Book of Boba Fett uh, as soon as that comes out with a lot of other things. Um, you can find all my podcasts at ethicalpanda.com, theethicalpanda.com. You can also find me on Twitter, Facebook. All the links are there. Let us know what you think. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the show. Any other things we touched upon? Uh, tell us what crazy communists we are. Defend capitalism. I'll have a fun debate. Uh, we'll probably make fun of you, actually, if you do that. Because uh, we're kind of leftists. <laughs> but still, I, we're open to all kind of conversation. Let us know what you think. Um, love to hear the feedback. Uh, I'll also say that I am... I often talk about how this podcast is part of the Stranded Panda Podcast Network. Uh, I will be joining the folks on the MCU cast, our award-winning flagship, with coverage of Hawkeye. Um, I'm actually recording this at the moment at 1 a.m. my time, 1 a.m. Central Time, uh, 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 on Tuesday morning. 
So 25 hours from now, uh, 2 a.m. Central, uh, which is midnight Pacific, which is when the new Hawkeye episode the will come civilized out. Civilized time zone. Uh, yeah. Um, well, Eastern is the, the, the sacred time That's zone. That's a sacred time zone. This is a civilized time zone. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. More civilized. Uh, now I want whiskey. Um, on a beach. It's a long story. Uh, the point is, uh, we're going to do a live watch of Hawkeye, and then we'll live record. You can check all that out on the Twitch channel for Stranded Panda. So please check all that out. Stuff. Uh, please check out all that stuff. Please check out what Paul's doing. Uh, if you're going to be traveling, uh, or just with. <clears throat> so please check out all that stuff. Check out what Paul's doing, and um, if it is important to you, it, if you're American or just you know it, it, it's something you celebrate, I hope you have a happy Thanksgiving, and I hope that for you is with people who are. You know, whether it's you know, your family or your chosen family or just, you know, at home with a watching the football or watching uh, Cowboy Bebop and eating uh, tofurkey, whatever it is for you. Uh, hope you have some time this week to take a moment and think about all the stuff you're grateful for, whatever that might be. So uh, with all that, thank you, Paul. Thank you to all you fans and have a great day. I'm grateful for nothing. <laughs> and I'm grateful for that. <laughs> Uh, that was fun though. Yeah, yeah, it's a good show.